We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi guys and welcome to another episode of the Spurs Up Show presented to you by the Armchair All-Americans. I'm your host Chris Phillips. No Tyler Clark today, but we are joined by a very, very special guest I'm going to get to in just a second. Uh, but first, if you're not tuned in the Spurs Up Show yet, not sure what you're doing, the best Gamecock podcast on the internet, uh, be sure to go online, rate, subscribe, share, and download the Spurs Up Show on iTunes, the Stitcher app. Uh, wherever you consume your media, you can find us. Uh, also, we'll be on armchairallamericans.com and also on all of our social media handles at Twitter at armchair s car that's going to be at armchair s c a r instagram at armchair s carolina and like i mentioned this is a podcast brought to you by the armchair americans so please go to armchairamericans.com uh for lo- all your localized sports coverage there as well um like i said i'm joined by a very special guest today someone that i know for gamecock fans especially does not need any type of introduction but i'm going to try to do my best he's a two-time national champion for the south carolina baseball team in 2010 and 2011 also appeared of course in the national championship game in 2012 uh, overall in his college career, 26-6 and six record, 1.91 ERA through 354 total innings with 268 strikeouts. Uh, was drafted in the ninth round, 297th overall in the 2012 MLB draft by the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, has kind of jumped around the league, played for Los Angeles, Cleveland, uh, Texas Rangers, Tampa Bay, and San Francisco. Uh, has thrown actually 36 innings at the MLB level and actually just signed a new contract. With the Chicago Cubs, Gamecock hero, like I mentioned. So I want to go ahead and introduce Michael Roth. Michael, appreciate you joining the show. Like I mentioned, it's a pleasure to have you on. No, thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So kind of want to jump right into it um, as far as your Gamecock career and kind of what led you to South Carolina. So I think you had a pretty interesting recruitment out of high school, um, recruited as both a first baseman and a pitcher, I believe. Talk about kind of your recruitment, why you chose South Carolina, and you know, were you planning on being primarily a fielder or a pitcher? Was it kind of a two-way type thing? So my first interaction with South Carolina uh, was after my sophomore year in high school. I was playing at the Sarge Fry uh, in in the summer with my uh, like my travel team, and uh, at the end of the game, it was a, I think it was like a Sunday, late Sunday, and at the end of the game, all all of us were like planning on going to eat somewhere, and um, the coach came up to me and was like, "Hey, Coach Tanner wants to speak with you." Um, you got a minute? I was like, yeah, sure. So Coach Tanner came and spoke with me and my mom. He's like, hey, I want to drive you guys around campus. And I was like, 
all right, cool, but, you know, I was going to go eat dinner, but all right, I guess I need to go do this. So we, we drove around campus, and um, Coach Tanner was kind of pointing out things. That I think he was just making a bunch of stuff up, to be honest with you, because um, he was like, this is the horseshoe, you know, this is where you have all your classes. I don't think I had a single class at the horseshoe. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so we go to the roundhouse, which is obviously no longer there, and, um, and that's when he, he like, presented the offer to me and he was like you know i know i know you still have a lot of time and like technically my i couldn't talk to schools unless i was on their campus so like my official recruitment time wasn't open yet um so south carolina was the first school that i ever talked to um and then you know a few months go by and i hadn't committed or anything and once like it officially opened i forget what that date was you know i had some some uh contact from North Carolina, because well, that was um, when Coach Holbrook was still there. Um, I talked with, you know, of course, Clemson. And I think it came down to um, – it was down in, like, November. I went to on a visit to Clemson. And I then the next week I went on a visit to Carolina. And when I was in Columbia, it just felt like home. You know, it felt like the right place to be. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed the coaches. And at the time that was coach Calvi. Um, uh, what's his name? Who's at Clemson now? I, I just blanked. Oh, Monty Lee was there. Yeah. Lee, um, yeah. you know, and coach Toman was still there. Toman was there too. Yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, so, you know, it was a little bit different staff that I ended up having really, but, um, you know, it just felt like the right place to be. And, and, all of that to say I was recruited mostly as a first baseman. You know, the pitch was really that uh, Smoke was going to leave, was going to get drafted in 2000, um, in 2008, and he was going to go pro. And it was basically, uh, you know, that was that was a good opportunity for me to come in to South Carolina and, and win uh, the starting spot as a first baseman. And uh, we obviously all know how that went. Um so it, it was um, it was an interesting recruitment, and I, I do remember. It, and the way I they got the way I got to pitch there was, I was all I always pitched in high school, but it was um, I, I enjoyed it, but I I always loved to hit, and I was throwing um, I was throwing in a game. I think it was kind of the similar thing. And Sarge Fry and Coach Calvi had watched me pitch. And at the end of the game, he was like, Hey, I know you don't, I know you don't want to come here and pitch. He's like, but we could really use you just in case we need you. Um, he's like, so I just want you to throw, throw just some bullpens and stay ready. Um, and so that was kind of how he got me to throw. And, um, when I showed up in the fall, you know, I was kind of doing the two way deal, but mostly focusing on playing first base. And then at the end of the fall, I was, so bad at the plate that my only way to get on the field was to was to throw strikes absolutely so kind of fell into the uh the relief role there um kind of a lefty specialist if you will uh, I want to go back because you talked a lot about coach Tanner obviously and you know we all know the, the legend he is at South Carolina talk about you know playing for coach Tanner kind of what it was like I've you know I've talked with a couple of guys that played from the past they all have you know, very interesting, you know, gleaming reviews of him, obviously, but it's really, really interesting. Just talk about kind of your experience under Coach Tanner, you know, what he means to you. Um, 
Coach Tanner is one of those guys where when you're playing for him, sometimes you hate him. Um, but at the end of it, you just you, – you appreciate him. Um, you know, when I was there, I had a ton of respect for him all the time. But he could be – he was tough. You know, he he was always trying to make you better. And um, sometimes that was annoying. You know, sometimes that was frustrating. Um, and he would – one thing that I would say as a credit to him is he knows how to get people um, – he knows how to push people the right way. And he doesn't do it. He does. He didn't do it the same. He didn't push my buttons the same way that he did Jackie or Adam Matthews. Um, he had his unique style, and he knew how he knew guys that he needed to to wrap his arm around, and and he knew guys that he had to chew into. Um, so I had a, had a ton of respect for him when I was playing for him, and even still. But uh, sometimes, you know, he was he was a pain as well. Um, but you know, it was funny when we were coming up, when I was, you know, coming up through the program, we, we would always interact with guys that were older than us. And they'd be like, man, you guys have it easy. Coach Tanner, um, used to really get on us. And, um, and now he kind of lets you do what you want. And I was just, I didn't necessarily know if that were true, but I would just, the way that I saw coach Tanner morph over my four years. Um, I think it was definitely how he, not necessarily relaxed because he was always intense and wanted to win. And and he was always like ready to fight somebody was in when he was in that dugout. But I think he understood how to let people be themselves. Um, And that he was able to kind of take a back seat on some things because we had such a good team that was able to just kind of police themselves in a sense, you know, we had a guy like Adrian Morales who, would jump in anybody's face, whether it was me or, um, or Jackie or anybody. Um, so coach, coach Tanner, just, he's a smart, intelligent individual and just knew how to get the most out of the guys. Awesome. Awesome. So fast forward a little bit. Um, you know, obviously like we mentioned, you're a reliever in 2009, you know, play a little bit of first base here and there, but kind of a lefty special 2009, 2010, Fast forward all the way to the World Series. You get the call to start in the College World Series against Clemson in 2010. Uh, talk about just kind of what was going through your mind when you found out you were getting the start and kind of your emotions, you know, running through you maybe like the night before. Well, there must have been a uh, mix of signals because I didn't really know I was starting until the day before or until the day of. Um, I remember after the game, uh, we won an extra innings and I believe I threw that night. I think, I think it was Oklahoma and I may have thrown like yeah. a, an inning or something or a third. Um, and after the game, you know, everybody's kind of celebrating and there's kind of the madness and coach Hobart looks at me and is like, be ready to throw tomorrow. And I'm like, duh, you know, like I, I was lefty specials. I would come in and throw like a batter or two and throw the next day, the same thing. So I was just kind of thrown off by that. And then, um, they always did room checks. And so it got to curfew and coach Tanner and coach Calvi walked in and coach Calvi was like, Hey, are you, are you good to throw tomorrow? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Why? And he's like, are you good to start? And I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, I was, <laughs> didn't really. And he's like, all right. And then that was it. And I was, and then we made a couple other jokes. Um, and I was just, I looked at Adam and I was like, I don't because Adam Matthews is my roommate. And I was like, 
what are they talking about? You know, I didn't really, we didn't really understand what was going on. So I wake up the next day and we had breakfast. Um, and Jay Brown goes, Hey, are you starting the day? I was like, I don't know. They hadn't told me anything. <laughs> um, so I finished breakfast and I get back up to my room and I got a text from my mom and she's like, Hey, good luck today. And I was like, uh, thank you. But while like, what? what do you, what is different today than any other day? And she sent me like a link of something that said I was starting. And so I looked at that and I was like, Hey, I guess I'm starting today. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of how I found out I was officially starting. Um, and maybe I just didn't hear what coach Calvin and coach Tanner said that night. I don't know, but, um, I didn't find out until super late. So I don't think I had anything. I don't, I didn't really have much time to think about it to be honest with you <laughs> yeah i feel like that's kind of the beginning of the twitter sphere where everybody knows before you do <laughs> yeah definitely yeah so in that game obviously i mean i think you were only expected to go three or four innings you know i remember watching that game on tv and everyone's saying you know if they can, if you can just give them three or four <laughs> solid innings and they'll kind of figure it out from there you know uh and you wind up obviously throwing a complete game shutout did you think yourself you could go the distance or did you even surprise yourself by going the whole game um, you know, what's funny is, uh, prior to the game, I was walking, I was leaving the hotel and I got on the same elevator as Coach Tanner and I get on there and he's like, uh, how many got in you today? And I was like, you know, Coach, I'll probably just stone until my arm falls off. And he's like, okay, so is that, is that one inning? And, <laughs> and I was like, ah, maybe one in the third, you know? Um, and so, did I think that I would be able to throw nine innings? No, but I'd never really put any expectations on myself when I was going in. Um, it was more like just – for me, it was every, every time I came off the field after throwing an inning, it was like, okay, let's just get one more inning. Um, I knew that we had been taxed uh, pitching-wise – the night before and I knew that if we were able to win this game and get to the next one with with uh, Dyson on the hill that we'd be in good shape and so after the after the first few innings I, I just remember myself uh, telling myself like all right let's just get one more and then we'll uh, we'll turn it over to the bullpen and um, that way it just kind of let me you know with the way that I was thinking it just eventually became nine innings uh we played some great defense behind me i know we made some really good plays and that was able to keep my pitches down i think i threw like 100 pitches that game and if it weren't for that you know i wouldn't have wouldn't have been able to go throw a complete game absolutely so uh, i gotta ask obviously there's a huge huge you know fiery rivalry between south Carolina and clemson how how fun was it to do what you did not only just to do it in the college Road series but against your arch rival as well Oh, it was awesome. I mean, and you know, we kind of knew the the history of it too, and what happened uh, in the previous trips to Omaha with the older teams. Two thousand two, yeah, and how they had beat Clemson uh, like that. So we, you know, we kind of knew the story, and um, you know, when we were able to do it, it was it was super exciting, and uh, especially we had Steve Bondurant there when he was. Um, he was our like, uh, like our our uh, school person. You know, he'd like check us into, um, and not the class, but like study hall and everything. So right. you know, and I think he I think he pitched that first game against Clemson like I did. 
So we were talking about it. I think he came up before the game and was like, rub my arm. And he was like, all right, let, let me give you some good luck. And so <laughs> I think uh, I think it worked. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, just the overall run in 2010, talk about, you know, the run you guys made, you know, being down, like you mentioned, your last strike against Oklahoma, having to beat Clemson twice, you know, coming back from all that um, and facing UCLA, who, I mean, you know, threw two of the best arms in college baseball and, Trevor Bauer and Garrett Cole, two guys that are at the big league level, you know, doing what they do best. Just talk about kind of overall the 2010 season and the run you guys made to win it all. Um, you know, when we walked into 2010, uh, we were coming off. I, I remember coming into the 2010 season, we were coming off 2009 when we felt like we had should have advanced to a super regional. Um, we were a couple outs away from advancing and we kind of let that slip through our fingertips and, um, we had some new guys coming in and, um, we had a, uh, you know, that was when Adrian Morales walked in the door. Um, and, and so we felt like we had a pretty good team, you know, and we went through that year and we, we, we played some good series and, and, uh, I just don't think we knew how good we were until we got to the playoffs. Um, and even then, I think we still didn't understand how tough we were as a team, like how good we could pitch, um, and just the level, just the quality of players that we had. Uh, but I remember when we got to Omaha, we lost that very first game. And Adam and I didn't even unpack our bags because <laughs> we were like, oh, well, you know, at least we made it here. Um, <laughs> and and then we went on and we beat Arizona and, and then we just kept winning. And um, I think at the end of the year, you know, we were able to look back and be like, man, we had a pretty good squad and, and some – you know, we had a team that just knew how to win and knew how to compete. Um, but it was a special run, you know, I mean, doing what we were able to do out of the losers bracket, we lost the first one and, and didn't look back. You know, we, we put, uh, what is that? Six, seven wins together, I guess, maybe I, right. I can't remember. And to, to win a, to win a championship. And, and you're right. We did it a bunch against a bunch of, um, quality arms uh but the thing is too is like you can't overlook some of the players that we had on our team and you know whip doing what he's done in the big leagues the last two years jackie bradley um sam dyson i mean you know we had some really good guys that we had some guys that are doing it in the pro levels and we have some guys that were just exceptional college baseball players yeah absolutely those teams were stacked for sure i was thinking just of 2010 you had Christian Walker is a freshman. I think Jackie Bradley was new to the squad and just guys like that. I know for sure that that, that team was stacked. Uh, fast forwarding to 2011, you guys went back to back. It kind of leads me into this question, which was 2011 for you guys more of a, because you said, you know, you didn't really realize how good you were. A bunch of young guys just kind of going out there playing ball every day. Just, you know, let the chips fall where they may and see what happens. In 2011, did you guys kind of fully expect, like, hey, you know, we're expecting to get back to Omaha and win it all again? Did you got, were you guys kind of more self-aware, like, hey, we know how good we are and we expect to, you know, get back to Omaha and win it all? Or what was what was that like coming back in 2011? I would say our expectations were high, but we didn't necessarily mention, um, you know, winning a national championship again. Um, we knew that we were good. We knew that we had – had a quality group of guys that come back, but we also knew how hard it was to do what we did um, and, and make it to Omaha, just making it to Omaha is really tough. And then going on in Omaha and, and rattling off wins is, is 
tough also. Um, and so we knew how hard it was, but we did expect us, you know, we did expect to, to win the last game. That was kind of always the goal is to go in there and win the last game. Um, in 2011, we knew that we'd place, we'd face some pretty stiff competition with Vanderbilt, Florida, you know, Florida was kind of always, a our, uh, in conference rival with, uh, the guys, the guys that they had down there. Um, and so we knew how good we were, but we also knew that it would be a fight. We knew that every team that we faced would, would come in there and, um, they would want to knock us off. We had a, we had a target behind our back. Um, and so we knew we would have to, we wouldn't be able to just throw our gloves out there and win. So, but we had a, we had a fiery group again, you know, a bunch of those guys, all the guys on those teams were, um, they were scrappers, you know, like they, they had to scrap and fight and compete and, and never give up. And that was, that was kind of the trademark for those, uh, those two teams. Absolutely. So talking about you, for you personally in 2011, you know, obviously the Clemson game in 2010 sort of vaunted you into a starting role. Um, you know, you come into the year, you know, you go from throwing 40 innings in 2010 to 145 innings in 2011 as a starter. Talk about kind of just what you had to do um, to adjust, you know, taking on a workload like that in a season, you know, going from 40 innings to 145 and kind of what changed for you going from being just a, you know, I'd say just a bullpen situational guy to, uh, the number one starter on that team? Well, the first thing was that I enjoyed it a, a heck of a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, being in the bullpens, you know, it's a great role. Uh, I did not appreciate it as much just because I, I just was not a fan of it. Um, I liked the fact that you could play every day, but I didn't like – being cut off you know it felt like I would go and face a batter and then okay well that was it um and so I really enjoyed being able to have like my game you know and that's kind of what it feels like as a starter like you get the ball and like that's your game to go out there and and win for the team um and so that's what I really enjoy about starting and what I loved about the 2011 season and I remember going into it I um you know coach Tanner was kind of flippant or I guess wishy-washy as to whether he wanted me to start because I remember us having conversations he's like you know should we have you start or should we keep you in the bullpen and um I didn't really lobby for one way or the other uh but I think just because of the way it turned out that I that I was gonna start um and then I remember going into the season that was I think I was scheduled to start on a sat I was supposed to be like the Saturday guy the way it was lining up in scrimmages and then the week before he told me that I would be pitching on Friday and so that was kind of how I got the Friday job and um you know it was it was exciting it was kind of Can you hear me? Yep, I got you back now. Okay. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, so that kind of vaulted me into like a more of a leadership position and, um, you know, just being the Friday guy comes with a lot of responsibility. You get to set the tone each weekend. And I loved it. It was so much fun. Uh, and especially, you know, with the team that we had and the defense that we had, it was just – it was a lot of fun to go out there every Friday night and then for the rest of the weekend, just try to cheer on the guys and, and help them however you could. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's it's one of the biggest things I'd say probably from what you did going to the pin to that Friday night rolls, just definitely the mental approach. And you definitely get a, did a great job with that, obviously. Um, you know, talking about 2011, obviously went back to back. But, you know, the one thing I want to highlight, you guys set the record for most consecutive NCAA tournament wins with 22, most consecutive wins in the College World Series with 12. Do you think that's something that will ever even be contested again? Or do you think that's like once in, you know, kind of a legendary once in a lifetime kind of run? I'm not quite sure, to be honest with you. I mean, it, it was a difficult, difficult task to do. And to be honest with you, while we're, when we were in the middle of it, a lot of the players didn't even know. Um, I wasn't even highly aware of like how we were rattling off wins and with all the postseason wins and, and college world series wins. Um, you know, with the way college baseball is going, there's, there's so many teams with so many talented players. I think it might be hard for a team to go go do what we did, but I wouldn't be surprised. At the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a uh, a team that just gets hot like we did, you know, and, and they, they find a core group of guys. You know, there's those 10 to 15 guys that they're – that they build – that they're building around for, you know, two to three years, and they're able to make a run at the at – the, college world series why that's um if that's the case absolutely and you talked about you know being a part of those teams obviously and what made them so special that win anyway kind of attitude i remember you guys were you know very adamant about that carolina baseball just win anyway talk about sort of how you guys carried that and i, I think it was both 2010 2011 into 2012 i think that was just sort of ba- carolina baseball's mantra you know talk about what made that so special kind of how that came about and you know what that meant to you? Well, first I'd say a culture within an organization is created by its leader. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, obviously the, the, the first praise goes to coach Tanner and, and just the, um, the culture he was able to kind of cultivate in that program one, uh, throughout his throughout all of his years um you know we knew that there was a a lot of history in the south carolina program and and coach tanner definitely put his mark on it um and when we were there you know in this in the fall one of the things that we always talked about from my freshman year on was being tougher than the other team um and just being competitive and one thing coach tanner always harped about in the fall and beyond was just competing. That was something he always brought up was compete. You know, when he would cheer you on and yell, he'd be like, he would say compete out there or something. And so, and I think if you look at that, that term, it's just, just that, like go out there and, and bust your ass and try to do everything that you need to do in order to be successful out on the field, whether it's at, at an individual at bat or throwing a pitch and so coach Tanner kind of drove that into us. And when, um, and so when things became tough, you know, when you're in a tight situation, we always knew how to, how to get out of that. And that was really to just be mentally tough and compete. Um, and then, you know, with 2010, well, the other good thing about the team was we had, um, you know, we, we had some 
pause. Let me go back. The other thing about Coach Tanner is that, you know, he didn't make us, it wasn't all about baseball. We, you know, we had to do some mandatory community, community service. Um, and, and that was really just, I think, to, to help us gain perspective. You know, when you're in college, you kind of live inside of a bubble um, where you can. And doing that community service um, really helped us just gain perspective and, and meet people um, that maybe we wouldn't otherwise meet and, and come into contact with individuals that we wouldn't otherwise uh, come into contact with. And one of those was Baylor Teal. Um, and we met him in the middle of that 2010, um, season. And then, you know, he, uh, he passed away in, in the middle of the college world series in 2010 during that Oklahoma game. And so seeing like the fight of a little kid, um, battling cancer and seeing some of the other things that, you know, that we would go to the children's hospital for, um, that's kind of the the fight and the competitiveness that we wanted to bring on the field. And so having coach Tanner instill that in us and then having the type of players that we had that really grabbed a hold on hold of that and held each other accountable is what created that win anyway culture that, you know, we were able to, to bring, you know, for the remainder of my years there. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely remember that with Baylor T Baylor Teal. Absolutely awesome story. Um, kind of, you know, obviously what he meant to you guys. Um, you know, moving ahead to the 2011 College World Series, you guys faced the Florida Gators, a team you were obviously extremely familiar with and what I'd consider a pretty crazy series, especially game one. Um, talk about, you know, playing Florida. I mean, again, a team you guys were very, very familiar with in the SEC East. What was that kind of like? I mean, you know, facing up with them again after you'd already matched up with them in the regular season? Uh, I think we, that was our, that was even our, the first game in the finals was our second game playing them in Omaha. Maybe. Yeah, it was, it was, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. So I think we knew each other really well. Um, And I think Forrest started that game, right? Uh, 2011. So Mm -hmm. um, we, we knew it was going to be tough. You know, we knew how good Florida was. We knew that on paper, uh, according to, to everyone else, that we probably were supposed to lose. Uh, but again, we kind of knew how good we were. We knew that we were, you know, we felt like if we could get that game into a situation uh, that benefited us, that we'd be able to win. And there were parts in that game, you know, when Jake Williams made that throw to nail the guy at home, we were all going crazy. And I think – I forget who I looked at, but I looked at somebody and I was like, we're not going to lose this game, you know, um, especially Jake. And I love Jake and, and he would agree with this, but he did not have the best arm. And for him to make that throw um, was nothing short of a miracle. And, and then, you know, the, what we dealt with, with bases loaded and, and everything um, in that game. I mean, we just had so many things going for us uh, in that, in that very first game and heck even in even in the game when we played uh virginia when we played yeah, I remember uh, the virginia one i mean even that game that that's the game that got us to the finals even that game we had so many things go our way and i wouldn't say it was just lucky bounces because you know we kind of forced some of that um but we definitely had some luck on our side 
And part of that was just because of we kind of willed that our way. You know, we went up there and we grinded out at bats. We played incredible defense. And when you have a guy like Scott Wingo at second base, <laughs> you can always turn a double play as long as there's someone to get turn a double play with. You know, he's he just has that ability. Um, and when when we made some of those plays in the Florida game, we felt like we weren't going to lose. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I want to get to a couple of things you had mentioned because, uh, you know, like I mentioned, we had Forrest Kumas on the show last summer. He he kind of echoed some of the same things you said. But, you know, you talked about Scott Wingo, and I was actually going to bring up, you know, the bases loaded jams and just some of the plays in that game. One, I remember very clearly the double play. I mean, is he the best defensive glove you've ever played with? Because, I, I mean, some of the plays he'd make was like wizardry out there. Well, I would say I'm, I've played with some really good guys in professional baseball. Um, and I can't say that Scott's better than them, but I would say Scott's probably one of the best, um, one of the best at fielding his position. Um, I played with Scott in high school and he was just, I mean, he was incredible. He played short and that that's how he, that was that was something that he, you know, he honed his skill and his craft of, of fielding a baseball no matter where he was. Um, and so that's, that was his thing, you know, and, and in two, and um, in 2011, he, uh, he had a heck of a series too. Um, I think he won the, did he win the most valuable player? I think player he did win year? the MVP. Yeah. I think he won the MVP that year. I think he did. And so, I mean, that was just a, you know, and that wasn't because that that definitely wasn't just because of his defensive um, prowess. But uh, you know, the other thing to remember about that game is Walker had hurt his um, had broken his uh, hand. He broke a bone in his hand, and um, going into that game, I was taking ground balls at first base because they didn't know if Christian was going to be able to play, and. Christian ended up playing. He took some BP and he ended up playing with that broken hand. It was a, and it was a broken hamate bone in his hand. Um, and he literally played with like half of his, half of his hand numb. And I, I think he may have scored the winning run or got, I think he got two hits that he game. Day, I think he had a couple of bench and, knocks that game. <clears throat> yeah. He, he got a couple hits that, that game. And I mean, when we saw once Christian, you know, made it into a lineup and got a hit, I think we also felt like we were never going to lose that game uh, as early on as, as the opening of uh, of the game just because, you know, Christian was playing and, and he had the ability to go out there and change the game with one swing. And, you know, that's that's still one of the most badass moves I've seen from anybody I've ever played with. Christian was a tough SOB. And for him to go out there and play with a broken handmate bone and – not even just play, but like get some hits and score some runs um, and play defense. That was, that's one of the toughest things I've ever seen on a baseball field. Absolutely. And the other thing I wanted to bring up, you know, you had talked about Jake Williams and the throw that he made to, uh, you know, to gun the runner at home plate just to keep the game going. It was funny. We had, like I mentioned, Forrest Kumis on here and he even told me that he said, he said, as soon as that ball was hit the left, we were all just like, oh, shit, oh, shit. <laughs> he's like, that throw, he's like, I still don't know to this day how he made it, but, God, he, he gunned him, so it's all that matters. Oh, yeah, I, I think I turned around, actually. I think once the ball was hit in the left field, I'm pretty sure I, like, I was hanging on to the, the railing and I turned around and I was like, damn it, you know? Right. And 
then I looked up and I, <laughs> and I had like stepped back cause there was like a step up and I had stepped down and I looked and I looked and saw the ball in the air and I like ran back up to the thing and saw he got, he threw him out. And I was, I mean, we just went crazy, you know, cause I'm pretty sure everyone thought that we were screwed. Um, but <laughs> Jake was just, uh, throw of his life touched by, yeah. Jake was just uh, touched by God in that, in that throw, you know, yeah, like angels in the outfield or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we had some crazy stuff, you know, with that base was loaded with, with those two plays. I mean, Scott made a pick. He made a pick and threw the guy out at home. Yeah, and I, and I then, remember the one they almost hit Robert Barry's mask. Yeah, Barry, and Barry about. scooped it like a first baseman. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it was just some insane stuff that you see on a baseball field. And, you know, in the moment, you're kinda, you kind of – you don't really realize how crazy it is. But when you look back on, on it, it's – you just kind of – I mean, the only thing you can say is, wow. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is that the craziest baseball game you think you're, you've ever been a part of, or has there been one to top that? Yeah, that's that's probably one of the yeah that's probably one of the craziest games I've ever been a part of. I mean, high level stress. Uh, the worst part is like being on the bench. You know, when you're on the bench, you can't even Absolutely. do anything but just cheer people on and do nothing crazy. So I see why fans go go nuts. <laughs> um, and I mean, yeah, it was a high stress game. Um, Every, I mean, I just remember every out was just intense, and it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Some of the best, you know, probably one of the best baseball games I've I've been a part of. Absolutely. So yeah, um, obviously, you know, you guys won the next night. You know, beat Florida five to two in that game. Won back to back titles. Just talk about, you know, from a bigger picture, what that meant for you guys, not only for you guys, but to bring that to the University of South Carolina baseball program back to back national championships uh well first you know it was just uh it was just a big accomplishment for us in 2011 you know that that was the main thing was that we were able to go out there and and put a team together and make it through the grind of a regular season uh deal with some of the difficult stuff that we dealt with i mean if you look through 2011 we had some crazy stuff i remember when we were in mississippi state we jackie brat jackie hurt his wrist that night, Evan had some heart thing and couldn't play the next day. Um, and we, you know, we had Stephen Neff playing outfield, and he goes on a tear for the next like three weeks and helps us get to the College World Series. Um, you know, we we just had guys step up week in and week out, and you know, it really was a full squad that that helped us get to the College World Series, and then a full squad that helped us win the thing. Um, and so when you look at it like that, just over the course of 2011, it was incredible for us to do what we did. Uh, but then just being able to look at what we did previously in 2010 and, and win, win the last game in, uh, at the old stadium and then open up the, uh, the new stadium, TD Ameritrade, with, um, with a championship was you know that was kind of what we wanted to do i remember when after 2010 we drove by the new park that was being built and coach Tanner had mentioned he's like hey guys uh, don't you want to come in here in this new park next year and win one um and that was kind of all he said in 2010 and you know and we were able to do it and so it was it was a ton of fun and obviously for the fans that have supported us all these all those years um 
for Gamecock fans who maybe thought they had never would never see a national championship, much less two. Um, you know, it became you know, it felt like a, a great time to be a Gamecock. And, uh, you know, we were just able to, to – it, it was special for all 35 guys and, you know, that, that coaching staff. And it was, a, you know, a lot of fun. Absolutely. So, you know, I want to ask you this. I feel like I kind of know what you're going to say. But what would you say the better team is, 2010 or 2011? <laughs> Man, I don't know. That's uh, – um that's really hard. Maybe, maybe 2011, just because we knew how good we were. You know, I don't, I don't really know. That'd be super tough to to say. And and everybody always asks me which is the the best. You know, which national championship do I like more? And that's another hard thing to say. You know, it's each one has its own has its own own memories. You know, in 2010, it was so fresh and such a surprise. And in 2011, it was, um, you know, it was just such a, it was such a triumph through what we had been through the whole year. Um, and so each one had their own feelings, you know, it wasn't, it didn't feel like deja vu. It felt like a completely new moment. And so it was each, each one was super special to me. And I'm sure, I'm sure everybody else would say the same. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know how I forgot to bring it up, but the you know, 2010 with the Whit Merrifield, obviously with the walk off. I mean, that was. I know for Gamecock fans, I was watching. That was incredible. I mean, that was absolutely incredible game. You know, in 2011, obviously had its drama too. So, like you said, I mean, yeah, to the so that walk off game might be the only game that tops the Florida game. To be honest right. with you, just because of the win, and I remember. <laughs> The craziest thing was Scott Wingo had a three and two count. And Coach Tanner told him to bunt because he knew that Coach he knew that Scott would not bunt at a ball, but he knew he'd probably swing at a ball. And sure enough, it was a ball, and Scott didn't. <laughs> oh man, that was just some of the crazy things that happened over the course of a season. But that was funny. Absolutely. So, uh, 2012, you know, you guys make it all the way back to the College World Series final, but lose to Arizona, really, really good Arizona team. I might add. Um, even though you didn't win it all, you know, that year, how special was it to, you know, be one of the few teams in college baseball, I'd say, history to go to three straight college World Series finals? Well, for those of us that were older and had been around, um, it was pretty special to kind of show the younger guys the ropes. I think in that year, you know, at any given time, we had five you know, about five new guys in a lineup every night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, some of the older guys really just, we kind of forced those younger guys to, to go to Omaha. <laughs> we kind of, kind of drug them with us. And, you know, I mean, we had some really good players on there. Like, you know, Grayson Griner was an excellent catcher and, and walked in and, and was able to catch a really good staff and, and catch a, a really good, um, really good games every time that he was out there, you know, along with Dante Rosenberg. Um, and then, you had Joey Pancake out there and Tanner English. I mean, guys that were really helping the team and, and really helped us get to Omaha. Um, and as far as getting there, it just felt like something we should do. You know, we felt like no, no matter – who we lost in the previous year, we felt like we had, we still had the capability of getting there and we did. Um, 
and we really, you know, we, we fought our way to the championship again, you know, it was kind of that same mentality that we had had the two previous years was just, just find a way to win and go out there and compete. And we did that up until, up until the um, finals, you know, I remember, you know, it was funny just how I had mentioned earlier, how we were getting kind of things to go our way, every bounce and, you know, or every miracle throw. Um, it was a game two that I was pitching uh, against Arizona. And I think at the very beginning of the game, like they made a diving play to, to rob a hit that would probably would have been a big hit or like a big leadoff hit. And then they were winning, one to nothing. And it was like in the fourth. And I think we had just crushed a ball and some guy made a stupid catch out in the outfield and Christian was sitting right next to me. And I looked at him and I was like, you know what? I was like, this must, this, this feeling that we're feeling right now is probably what Florida felt last year when everything was going our way. Um, <laughs> because it feels like everything's going Arizona's way. Um, you know, and, and Christian kind of shook his head. He was like, yeah, this is insane. And sure enough, you know, they um, they went on to beat us. And we weren't out of the game by any means, you know, at, at four when we were down by one in the fourth. But it um, it definitely felt like they, they kind of had all the momentum. They had all the bounces going their way. Um, but we put together a good run, you know, and – I will I will still remember how much losing that game hurt, you know, winning the two previous years uh was great, but still that that two thousand twelve, you know, seeing them accept their their um their trophy and their like individual things was just uh it it still hurt a lot and especially for it to be my last game at South Carolina, there was a, a ton of emotions there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think to come that far, you know, you can only imagine all the uh, blood, sweat, and tears you guys put in for sure. But um, talking about, you know, just the whole stretch, tons of talents on the teams you played from, not just the national title teams, but 2009 to 12, you know, your whole career. Uh, who would you say, in your opinion, is the best overall player that you ever played with at South Carolina? Best overall player? Um, I think I'd have to go with, to be honest with you. Um you know, Witt was a guy that when we were there, he was kind of, they were kind of, he, he's kind of always been just undersized or there's always been a knock on him. And the one thing that he knew how to do was he just knew how to play baseball. I mean, he, he's a baseball player. Um, he knows the game mentally and he figures out a way to play. And, you know, when he was a freshman, he was playing second base, right? Um, and then when I walked in my freshman year, his sophomore year, we moved to the outfield. Um, and then I think we moved him again his junior year, you know. And in his pro career, he's pretty much played every position. So um, he was a guy that just – when you put him on the field, you could tell he was a baseball player and he, um, you know, he's just, he, he's made himself into a really good hitter uh, professionally as well. And so it's um, just to see what he's been able to do is, is pretty incredible. You know, it took him a while to get to the big leagues and, and, but since he's been there, he's done, you know, he's kind of gone off and, and been really good for the Royals and, um, you know, I think it's, I would have to pick Witt. It'd be between him and it'd be between Witt and Jackie, but uh, I think I'd have to vote for Witt on that. 
Sorry, Jackie. Yeah, definitely. It's been, <laughs> yeah, it's been fun to watch uh, Whit Merrifield's progression. I mean, like you mentioned, just you know, when you look at him, I mean, he's he's a ball player. There's no no other way to put it. But yeah, I was I was about to say, I think I might have uh, I might have said Jackie Bradley just because I mean, he's he's just a baller too. I mean, they're both kind of similar. I feel like, but I mean, he's an absolute stud too. So, but not yeah, too, not Jackie's, too bad. Guys I mean, Jackie's field. Jackie's kind of the. The one thing that I remember is when Jack, when we came in my freshman year, I came in with Jackie in 2000, uh, in the fall of 2008, we came in together. And, um, I mean, he was just better than the rest of us, like <laughs> just better than the rest of us as freshmen. Um, you know, and he's, he's still better than a lot of us. Um, and, but I just, incredible player, but just the way I've seen Wit grow has been, um, that for me just puts him above Jackie as far as, all-around player yeah absolutely I remember reading when you know Jackie obviously first got there they were saying yeah there's just there's this kid on South Carolina's team hit 104 miles an hour from the outfield and I remember everybody was just like whoa so <laughs> I remember <laughs> yeah. for sure um talk yeah, about I wish I, I, go ahead no, go ahead sorry I was I was gonna say I wish I could hit that on the mound <laughs> or even remotely close to that <laughs> yeah and that yeah that kind of actually leads me to what I, want, I wanted to ask you next you know obviously you're a guy who um, you know, I would call a crafty lefty. I mean, somebody who obviously, like you mentioned, you know, velocity, not your strong suit, if you, I mean, you're not a guy hitting 95, 96 on the gun. Talk about, you know, you know, when you were in college and to now, especially, but when you're in college, you know, sort of what you had to do, not just from a mental standpoint, but it's just sort of your game plan, you know, you know, knowing and kind of acknowledging who you were. And I remember obviously in 2011, I believe it was, you know, you started uh, changing up with arm slots, you know, for the lefties, you'd kind of drop down with them. Um, just talk about kind of your mindset and your overall mental game and, you know, attacking hitters. So when I came in as a freshman, I was kind of a, uh, I was kind of a righty specialist as a lefty because I, I had a really good change up and I threw, you know, I threw two seamers and change ups and my curveball wasn't very good and my slider wasn't very good either. Um, and so I, I really was, a lot better against righty than I was lefties. And because at that time, like throwing a left on left changeup was like unheard of. And I don't know why I didn't think of it sooner. Cause I do it now, but um, I should have done it sooner. Um, but then my sophomore year, I remember I was turning double plays at first base and coach Calvi came out to me and he pulled me aside. He's like, Hey, have you ever thought of throwing sidearm? And I looked at him like he was insane. And he was like, well, let's go throw a bullpen. So he made me throw a 20 pitch bullpen, all sidearm. And, um, afterwards he was like, how does that feel? And I was like, awful. And he's like, okay, good. Stick with it. Um, you know, and he, he straight up told me, he's like, listen, you know, we got a bunch of, we've got a bunch of guys that can get righties out. And if you want to get on the field, um, you're going to have to find a way to make yourself valuable. Uh, and that was the one thing I appreciate about the staff the whole time that I was there. They were, they were upfront, you know, they told you, they told you like it was. Um, and so then I started dropping down because he was like, I needed to be better against lefties. So that's how I became a lefty specialist was I started dropping down and throwing sidearm. Um, and so I went to, we had a sidearm righty who kind of did, who bounced around angles. It was Pat Sullivan. I was like, how do you throw your slider? So he taught me how to throw a slider from sidearm. And, um, but really I just, I, I never threw the same pitch in the same location twice. You know, that was kind of my, my ability was that I was able to throw a fastball 
change up slider for strikes. And um, if you can do that in college, you can keep hitters off balance. Uh, the biggest thing about, you know, hitters are always trying to time up pitchers. And for the most part, pitchers are just trying to screw up that timing. And, you know, I didn't have the fastball to blow them away. So I never tried to do that. I just threw, you know, I just kept them off balance. You know, I wanted them to be out in front on a changeup or on a changeup or to be behind, to be late on a fastball. And um, if I wasn't, and the other good thing was I was, I was able to control the ball pretty well. Um, I wouldn't say I had great command um, because I didn't, you know, I didn't necessarily command the ball great but I knew how to pick the zone and I was able to to just live on the outside corner and then surprise them with with something in and that just allowed me to to really grow into myself as a pitcher and, and kind of who I am today and it's not all that different it's just I know how to set up hitters a little bit better I also have to be more in the strike zone when you're in, you know, as you climb the levels, that strike zone gets a little bit smaller. Um, right. And, you know, it, it bought me time to make my pitches better. And so now there's a little bit more life on my fastball and, you know, I've been able to make my change up a little bit better. I've, I have a pretty good curveball now. I have a lot better slider. And so that, that gap of time between my sophomore, you know, and, and, junior year was able to kind of help me get through to pitch. And then also it helped me improve my game. Absolutely. So like you mentioned uh, the adjustment, you know, college to pro, there's obviously a ton, but you were drafted by the angels in 2012. Um, What would you say for you has been the biggest adjustment overall from college baseball to professional? Uh, Having a new team every year. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, That'll probably do it. (laughs) Yeah, I've bounced around a bunch, probably a little bit more than than uh, most guys do early on in their career. Um, you know, when I got drafted in 2012, I went straight to rookie ball in Orem, Utah. And after those two months, because I had thrown like 140 innings, I was only able to throw two innings every time I went out there. So I was like on a normal starter schedule, but throwing two innings every time. And after that, two, those two months, I hated pro ball. I was like, this sucks. <laughs> um, and it was probably just the – you know, it was definitely just because I couldn't go pitch. Um, and I wasn't able to just go, go out there and like be free. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I showed up in 2013, um, you know, talk about a whirlwind of a year. Um, you know, I showed up in, in camp and, you know, I was hoping to really, I was hoping to break with a high A team and ended up breaking with the double A team. And, and then after one start, I got called up to the big leagues. Um, you know, and I, it basically throughout that whole year, I would wake up each day not knowing whether I was in Little Rock or Anaheim um, because of how much I went back and forth to the big league team in Double A. Um, you know what's funny is I showed up to spring training and I was pitching well, and you know I think they were I kind of knew they were debating whether they wanted to send me to Double A or send me to High A. And the assistant GM Scott Service, who's the manager of the Seattle Mariners right now. He um he came up to me and was like so uh, where do you want to pitch this year, or he was like where do you th- where do you think you should pitch this year, and I looked him straight in the eye and I said the big leagues, um, <laughs> so 
my advice to anybody out there is whenever somebody asks you where you think you should be, you should tell them where you want to be. <laughs> Cause for me, it worked. I don't know if that's, I don't know if it'll work for you, but it worked for me. Um, but yeah, that was a crazy year, you know, in, in pro ball, um, you know, I also jumped some velocity when I got to pro ball. I don't know what it was or, um, you know, what happened, but velocity is kind of, it's like a fickle thing. Um, my first year in pro ball, I was, 88 to I hit like 92 a couple times which was unheard of I didn't even sniff that in college (laughs) um and then now I'm kind of you know I'm 87 to 90 touch 91 but mostly around that 88 89 range so it's I don't understand velocity I don't know why it bounces (laughs) around um I wish I did because then I could try to make myself throw 94 but again I'm not that guy so um, you know, I, pro ball has been a blast. I've gone to places that I never would have thought that I've been playing baseball. You know, I've played baseball in Germany, played baseball in the Dominican Republic, um, you know, and, and hopefully there's some other opportunities out there that I wouldn't think that I would have done. Uh, but professional baseball has been a lot of fun and, uh, I'm just super thankful to still be able to, to be able to do it. And I'm, you know, six years removed from college, which is kind of crazy to think about. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'll ask this simply put, how awesome is a pitching, you know, in a big league park when you get that call, you know, maybe the first time you get that call, you're getting the call to the big leagues out. How, how awesome was that for you? It's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> you know, I remember, you know, my first time out, my first, when I made my debut, um, that was such a crazy day, uh, especially because it was my first full season in professional baseball. I didn't really know what was going on. And, you know, I walked in the clubhouse and um, I ended up throwing two innings against the Houston Astros. And I got the win because Pujols hit a walk-off double. Um, and I was out there celebrating with a bunch of guys and they didn't even know who the hell I was. Um, but I'll never forget that moment. I was sitting, you know, and they, they gave me like a beer Gatorade shower um, after the game for my first win and, and, um, I did all the media stuff and, and I just remember I didn't want to leave that locker room that night because of how just awesome a moment, you know, I mean, I had realized a dream that I'd always had, um, you know, I've, and each moment that I've get to pitch and each debut that I've made every season, um, has been pretty special, um, even though, even if it hasn't gone my way, um, you know, like in 2016, I pitched against the Red Sox and got blasted. Um, and even still, that was, that was awesome to be able to pitch at Fenway. Um, you know, I'd love to be able to get a shot to pitch, uh, to pitch in the big leagues this year. Um, you know, one more opportunity would be great because it's, uh, it's always something special when you get to step on a big league mound. I mean, to be honest with you, it's pretty special to step on any mound. It's it's just a lot of fun to go out there, and there's not many things in the world that are um, that I get that feeling like I do pitching. Um, it's kind of just a it's a it's an awesome feeling going out there and competing, and, and just you know it's you versus someone else, and it's um, it's a unique feeling. Absolutely, yeah, the cat and mouse game for sure. Um, I'll ask you, you know, just frankly, is there anything that you feel, because obviously you've bounced between, pro, you know, the major league level and obviously the minor league level. What would you say at this point right now in your career is the one thing maybe you need to, or is there anything you need to improve or fix to 
get back to that level? Is there anything – what are you working on right now in your game that's kind of the biggest biggest area of opportunity for you, you feel like? Yeah, so one of the one things that I learned my in 2013, my first year when I was in the big leagues, was when I got there, I was like, okay, now it's just time to execute. You know, like now it's, now's the time to just go out there and, and execute. Um, and what I learned that year was that once you get to the big leagues, it's not just about execution because those guys are trying to learn too. You know, when the guys, when you're in the big leagues, you're not, you're not, you're the best at what you're doing, no doubt, but you're still learning how to stay the best. I mean, or how to get better. Um, and when I was up there and I was young, I, you know, I remember coach wanted me to make an adjustment. I was like thinking, why does he want me to change stuff? Like I just got to the big leagues, like, you know, (laughs) why do I need to change something? Um, and so I'm always learning, um, guys, uh, uh, I've been around who are, you know, big league veterans, they're always learning. Um, so that, that never stops. I don't think that stops in baseball. I don't think that stops in life. And, but right now for me, um, it, it sounds so simple, but I mean, it's just, it's just location. I mean, it's just execution, like going out there and being able to dot up an arm side fastball without hesitation or, or anything is, is something that I need to be able to do. Um, and oftentimes I'm able to do it. Um, you know, making my curveball sharper, making my slider sharper, uh, throwing a better change up or throwing a change up that looks like a strike out of the hand and turns into a ball. So you get more of a swing and miss, um, all those things, are I'm constantly trying to improve my game uh, and make every pitch look like it's the same right out of my hand and it's a strike and then it turns into a ball. Uh, that's what we're ultimately always trying to do. And so it's, it's really just, it's, there's nothing, there's nothing big that I'm working on. It's more just like fine tuning things that I've been working on since I picked up a baseball and tried to throw a strike. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It makes perfect sense. Um, what's been your favorite organization? Obviously you've been with a ton. What's been your favorite organization you've been with? Um, I really enjoyed my time with Texas. Um, you know, each one has been pretty cool. You know, when I was with the angels, obviously they they gave me the opportunity to play, play professional baseball. Uh, they introduced me to the big leagues. Um, that, that was pretty special. And then my time with the Indians was really cool. I met a lot of good, good guys and, um, I had a great start to the year and then, and then kind of fell off near the end. Um, Texas was a ton of fun. I just really liked the way they handled, um, they handled things. They, they had a really, we had a great triple A staff when I was there. I was in round rock in 2016. Um, that, that was just a great group. Um, and then last year I was with the Giants and the Rays, and it was such a short stint that I probably didn't get the <laughs> the whole feel, you know, for either of them. Um, and then this year here with the Cubs, you know, I've, I'm a week and a half in, so I can't really talk too much about it. But um, they seem like a great organization as well, and, and obviously a ton of history. Um, so I've really enjoyed my time with all of them. And uh, but Texas was a lot of fun being in Round Rock, right Absolutely. outside of Austin. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, one thing I want to touch on, you know, you're really adamant about, I remember when you were in college and, you know, definitely now, 
you're really a big advocate on your life being bigger than baseball. You know, I think your Twitter bio is something like, you know, baseball is what I do, not who I am. Um, talk about, you know, what your life is like outside of baseball, what your biggest interests are and kind of what that, I guess, what that slogan or what that, you know, obviously what your Twitter bio kind of means to you overall. Yeah, of course. That's a constant fight, you know, not, not identifying yourself as, uh, as what you do. Um, I don't think that's, that's just in my realm as an athlete. I think that's, that's, you know, that's probably in everybody's, I think as a, as men, you know, we tend to identify ourselves a lot with, with our careers and, and, um, and like, you know, the first question everybody asks you really, it's like, you tell them your name and then they ask you what you do. So, um, that's almost like an identifier for, for us and our culture. Um, so that's something that, you know, when I was younger, I recognized that, that I would need to fight. Um, and so far I'm fighting a good fight. You know, it's, there's definitely times when, um, you know, I've kind of gotten lost. I don't see that perspective. Um, you know, and, and so my life outside of baseball, really, it's just recognizing that, that I'm not, that I'm not just a baseball player, that I'm not a, that my value isn't held in baseball. Um, really, really, it's just that my value is held, um, in, in that I'm a son of God, um, you know, made in, made in God's image. And so that, that, um, that gives me, you know, that's my identification is that, uh, is the Lord that I'm a son of son of God. And, and then I'm made in his image and, and all the characteristics that he's given me. Um, and, and that speaks value into me, not, not the baseball career. Um, and that's something that's, you know, difficult, uh, that's that godly perspective is super hard. Um, that's why you just kind of have to realign your thoughts almost daily. Uh, maybe even a little bit more than that, like every minute. Um, <laughs> and, um, uh, but as far as the other things that I, that are important to me, um, my family, you know, my wife, Rachel is super important to me. She's a Gamecock. So, um, you know, she should be, she's approved by, <laughs> by all of South Carolina. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, you know, just, uh, speaking, speaking love and encouragement into my marriage, uh, into my wife is important. And then, uh, things we love to do is we love to travel. You know, we've, we lived in Hawaii one off season. We've been, we've been to London, Paris, Amsterdam, Prague. Um, we went to Bora Bora on our honeymoon. So we like to travel and get around, um, and, um, uh, one of the things that I started doing, uh, two years ago is getting interested in commercial real estate. So I kind of do that in the off season in Greenville. Um, so that's another thing that I like. I've always been, I've always driven by places and I've, you know, just been intrigued why that is what it is. You know, why is that a, um, the Walgreens or why are they turning that into something or what should, some, what should go there? Um, so I, I got into commercial real estate and I really, really enjoy that. And think that might be something I'm, I'm interested in after baseball. Um, and really just, uh, enjoying time with friends and family. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I really, you know, that, that's a great message. I think a lot of people, not just in baseball, but just through life, like you talked about kind of, you know, being able to separate, you know, what you do versus who you are, I think is a, something that we can all for sure 
uh, apply to our own lives. So um, I'm going to, yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, uh, it's yeah, something sure. I, I still have a book that I'm, I have a book I'm reading <laughs> about that and it's, um, you know, and it's like, you know, you're, you're constantly trying to learn. Um, it's, it's like how to, how do you integrate your work with, with who you are as a person? And, you know, that's just, we spend, you know, the fact of life is that we spend the majority of our time, um, at work, you know, and so we're shaped and molded by that, but obviously that can't become, that can't become, or, you know, it can't be because sometimes it can't be. Um, but for me, I can't, I can't hold my worth and my value and my outing that night as a pitcher. Absolutely. No, a hundred percent agree with you. I think you drive yourself, probably drive yourself crazy doing that with how difficult the game baseball is. Um, for sure. So I'm going to get you out here, Michael. I've got a couple quick hitter questions for you. Um, just you can answer just one word or kind of as much as you want, but just some like quick hitter fun questions. Um, best hitter you ever face? Um, David Ortiz. All right. Favorite teammate? Wow. That's that's tough. <laughs> um. <laughs> got to put somebody <laughs> on the spot, right? I know. Man. Um. Favorite teammate. I'm going to go with, I'll go with Pat Sullivan. That was college. He was, uh, he was, he's one of my favorites. Uh, I mean, there are so many teammates in college that were probably the best teammates ever. Mm. And then I've played with a, a ton of good guys in professional baseball as well. Absolutely. Um, has Christian Walker's home run at Coastal Carolina landed yet? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> um funniest story from college if you have one. Oh man one that i can tell you huh <laughs> yeah exactly um, <laughs> oh man let me think funniest story oh i think this is a pretty funny story and coach Tanner might get mad at me for telling it um <laughs> but we had a snow day in 2012 or was it 12? Maybe it was 11. I don't know, but it snowed a ton. And it was the first day back to school and like they had canceled class and coach Tanner sent out a text that was like, if you don't feel comfortable, like, you know, no official practice, um, but we're doing this from this time. And, but if you don't feel comfortable and don't come in and Adam Matthews had a truck and I had a car and I looked at Adam, I was like, hey, are you going to go in? Because if so, I'll ride it with you. And he's like, no, nah, I don't want to drive in the snow. And I mean, I think we had like five inches, so it was a good amount. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't end up going in that day, and I shut up the next day, and uh, Coach Tanner was pissed at me and <laughs> me and Adam. And I was um, I was like, Coach, I – I was like, I, I can't drive in my car. And he's like, your roommate has a truck. Why didn't you ride with him? And I was like, listen, he said he wasn't capable. He didn't want to drive in the truck. And, I mean, he has, like, one of these big trucks with, like, mud tires. And we still (laughs) didn't go. And we should. And Coach Tanner's like, what, are you afraid of getting in a fender bender? And Adam and I look at each other. And I remember we looked at Coach Tanner. We're like, listen, Coach, you make enough money. If you get in a fender bender, you can pay for it. But we don't. And (laughs) he got so pissed at us that we didn't show up. But that's – I think we had, I think we almost missed two days because of it, but coach Tanner was hot because we didn't drive in with Adams mudding mud tires on his truck. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, 
I'm not sure if you drink, but if you do, favorite beer. Um, favorite beer. Um, I'm a big Belgian style beer guy, so not now, not like uh, not like Stella, but more like the the Trapels and the the stuff like the Trappist kind. So I would say like Chimay is probably some of my favorite. Um, Birds Fly South in Greenville has a really good beer that's like a Belgian style style beer beer that I like called um year end but I really I st- I like the Belgians those are kind of my favorite favorite style beers awesome um, I'm I am not an IPA guy not an IPA dude I, that's me, me I'm the IPA I, I like the IPAs actually I'm I'll be honest with you I'm more of a uh, of a liquor guy whiskey prep my preference so I, I don't know gotcha. too, I don't know too much on the craft beer scene but I'll take your word for it I, um. I stick with I, – I stay away from liquor for the most part, and I stick with beer and wine. There you go. So, that, that's the smart thing yeah. to do for sure. <laughs> um, your opinion, best pitch in baseball? Strike. A strike. That's, that's <laughs> the, probably the best answer you could give. Um, Rosenblatt or TD Ameritrade? Uh, TD Ameritrade. Okay. Yeah. Uh, favorite, favorite superstition if you've got one? Um, just make sure you should put some uh, baby powder on before you go play. <laughs> that's probably my favorite one. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome! <laughs> um, all right, pants up or pants down? <laughs> pants down. Pants down. All right, last question. I don't. I don't. I don't have the calves for pants up. Okay, you, you gotta. Man. You gotta have a good calf. Wingo was a big pants up guy. Yeah, yeah. He had little chicken legs too. I think he did, but he was small (laughs) enough all around to to do that. You know, if I go pants up, I'll look like I'll look like a bowling ball on some sticks, and that just isn't a good look. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last question because I'm curious to get your opinion. Um, Favorite Carolina uniform: the Friday night garnet pinstripes or the Yankee grays? Yankee Grays for sure, yeah, and I, I hated. I, I mean, I didn't dislike the pinstripes, but I was, I w- would have rather worn something else on Friday night. But that's just what we wore. But I love the Yankee Grays; those are my favorite. Absolutely, yeah, I love those too. Those are so such a clean look. So, um, with that being said, I know I've kept you a while, Michael, but I appreciate your time. Let the uh, let the people know just kind of where they can find you on social media if they want to follow you or anything like that. Yeah, I'm on MT Roth uh, 29 on Twitter and Instagram, and that's about it. I'm not super active on it anymore. I've I've uh, I've gotten away from it, but I I still read some stuff and I, I check in every now and then. So uh, send me a message, uh, and um, I'll connect with you. Absolutely, yeah. And we appreciate your time again. I'm Chris Phillips. I'm at C Philly 19 on Twitter. If you want to follow me. Uh, again, Armchair South Carolina, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you guys know where to find us. Make sure you check out the Spurs Up show on iTunes, the Stitcher app, uh, and, of course, armchairamericans.com. So, again, Michael Roth, we appreciate your time. It's an absolute pleasure and, you know, hope to have you on the show again in the future. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Go Gamecocks. Absolutely. Go Cox. So, again, he's Michael Roth for Chris Phillips. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> boy, 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 what is it you want to do when you grow up?